Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing To Sir Philip With Love by Julia Quinn. This book was published in 2003 and is the fifth book in the Bridgerton series. And as you may have noticed, we are trying to review the entire Bridgerton series before it is released on Netflix. And we don't know when that's going to be yet, so... Sometime in 2020, so we're... You know, hopefully we'll meet the goal. But I just found out that Julie Andrews is the voiceover of Lady Whistledown, and I am really excited, you guys. Yes, get excited. It, it looks like it's going to be a really cool reinterpretation. I, I'm going to be completely honest. I hope that the things that we have found problematic will be changed. I just, I think if recent history of adaptations is any guide, they won't be as, mm -hmm. as much as that disappoints me. And I'm thinking particularly of um, a werewolf falling in love with a baby in the Twilight <laughs> franchise. Well, yes, but that and the graphic rape of Jamie in the Outlander yeah. series. I just feel like all the stuff that makes us really grossed out and hate a series doesn't seem to be that unpalatable, even yeah. though we can't find it to, we don't find it adaptable. They adapt it anyway. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, I'm interested to see how <laughs> how Simon and Daphne's story is adapted. I'm, like, I'm just going to be completely honest. I have no idea how they're going to show that conflict. <laughs> we'll see. We'll find out. All right. So this is um, Eloise's story. Yes. And so this started at the end of book four. Yes. Romancing Mr. Bridgerton. So as you may recall, Eloise turned to Penelope in the middle of a ball and said, and she basically was like, hey, um, hold my phone, I'll see you later. <laughs> and then she was out. So this book um, explains that interaction and mm -hmm. then goes on to show her story. So let's yes. start with the book jacket. Sir Philip knew that Eloise Bridgerton was a spinster. And so he proposed, figuring that she'd be homely and unassuming and more than a little desperate for an offer of marriage. Except she wasn't. The beautiful woman on his doorstep was anything but quiet, and when she stopped talking long enough to close her mouth, all he wanted to do was kiss her and more. Did he think she was mad? Eloise Bridgerton couldn't marry a man she'd never met. But then she'd started thinking, and before she knew it, she was in a hired carriage on her way to meet the man she'd hoped might be her perfect match. Except he wasn't. Her perfect husband wouldn't be so moody and ill-mannered, and while Philip was certainly handsome, he was rough and rugged and totally unlike the London gentleman vying for her hand. But when he kissed her, she couldn't help but wonder, could this imperfect man be perfect for her? Yeah. I mean, this, this is not a terrible book jacket. It's not terrible. It does sort of show what's happening, which is that she has never met him. She goes to see him. Doesn't talk about the pen pals thing. No, that's just, but I'm, it, it doesn't get into the how they knew each other well enough to find themselves in this situation. And I don't really feel like the conflict is well described. Yes. Oh no, definitely not. So it's like, it's weird to say, okay, the book jacket just wants to give you their starting point and then not mention the pen pals thing. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would have liked the pen pals thing. I don't mind that it doesn't mention. Oh, me neither. But I feel like it's a whole lot of nothing. Yes. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> Definitely. All right. As you know, we come up with our own summaries based on a random number. This episode, that random number was nine. Yes. So, would you like me to start, Lane? I'll start because I actually want to comment on yours. Okay. Okay. So my nine-word summary: failing to RSVP is rude and leads to marriage. I mean, definitely, always, always RSVP, guys. Always. Because you never know what situation you'll find yourself in. I'm also planning a wedding right now, not mine. So, like, double. Double down on that. Right? Please RSVP. Please RSVP. All right, here's mine. Someone forgot to check the has a kid box. 
as a woman online dating in a major metropolitan area, do you know how much it sucks to find out someone has a kid on a first date? Mm -hmm. I do not. I can only imagine. It's really shitty. And I feel like lip service is paid to it in this book, but I don't really feel like enough. The full, the full, yeah. And like, luckily Eloise is not like, oh no, I never would have dated somebody with a kid. <laughs> Which um, I, Lane might be. I feel that way. Yeah. Um, but it's still, it's a hell of a thing to blindside someone with, especially Definitely. inviting her to your home. This isn't even like a modern first date where you're just meeting the person and he's like, okay, now that you like me, I have a kid. No, no, no. I think this that is like he invited her to live with his children. <laughs> well, and they had a whole year of, I think what it does is it really points out the bubble that their correspondence existed yes. in. Yes. Yes, I, I don't dislike this because I think, well, I do think that it has a modern correlation, which is interesting. And I also think that it shows how disconnected he is from mm -hmm. his own emotions. Mm -hmm. I think that Eloise's role in their relationship is to provide all of the emotional labor. Yes. Right? And I think that him not even mentioning the kids once in any of their letters, which in their correspondence, which has gone on for a year, a year is, is proof of that. I also think it's interesting, one, that she didn't know because Eloise was distantly related to his mm -hmm. dead wife. It's interesting to me, Eloise didn't know mm -hmm. she'd had kids. But I also think this really did work as an allegory for modern online yes. dating, which is funny because this book was written in 2003 before that yeah. really existed. So yeah. I, I don't think... It was intentional. No, but, but I think this idea of when you're only corresponding through this limited medium, you're putting your best foot forward yes. and you're only kind of talking about the palatable things trying to interest someone in you mm -hmm. on a very surface level and how different that is mm -hmm. from yes. actually interacting with someone face to face. Yeah. So I, I, I like, it's not a dislike. I yeah. Didn't no. Dislike, I didn't think it was bad writing. Yes. That she gets there and he's got kids. I thought it was inadequately sure. dissected about like what a big fucking deal that is. Yeah. I, I mean, let's, that could have been the conflict for the book and it wasn't. Yes. It was it, part of the conflict, but it wasn't the big conflict of the book and we will get there. Aye, aye, aye. All right. So there's a lot of tropes in this and some of them are the go-to Bridgertons, big crazy family, marriage-minded mama. Yeah. Um, but there are some particular to this novel. Yeah, so I already mentioned it, but this is a pen pals to lovers story. Uh, it's a little bit like um, when a Scott ties the knot, except that she knows she's actually corresponding with a man. <laughs> yeah, this isn't like a... Well, and it's also a two-way correspondence. Yes, yes. <laughs> it is an actual correspondence. I, I like it. I like the whole pen pals to lovers trope. And I actually think... So, as you know, in previous Bridgerton novels... Dear readers, um, the intro to the chapters was a lot of quotes from Lady Whistledown, where Lady Whistledown was unmasked yes, in the last novel. Yes, she was novel. revealed in the last novel. So, in this one, instead, it's excerpts from Eloise's correspondence. Yes. Some of it with Sir Philip, and some of it with members of her family describing her mindset mm -hmm. every time she's rejected a proposal. Which yeah. Another trope. Series she, of former She's readers. rejected like seven Six, men. I think. Yeah. Um, 
And so I thought that was a really great device, really yeah, well deployed. I agree. I thought it was really well done. Uh, it, it, you could have really missed Lady Whistledown because let's be honest, she was a big draw to the first four books. And I also liked that because of the circumstances of Eloise's flight, mm -hmm. she doesn't know. She doesn't know. So it doesn't feel awkward that you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. So like Lady Whistledown's absence in any other situation probably would have required comment, mm -hmm. but it doesn't here, and it's no. very deftly handled by Quinn. Yeah. Julia Quinn does a lot of things really, really well. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. I don't, whenever we criticize her books, I don't want people to think that we're criticizing her writing necessarily, because I think her writing and her construction is top-notch. Agreed. All right, compromised means we have to get married, so they get compromised. I don't know, I mean, I do understand why we use it in these novels, and it, it's starting to bug me more than it used to. I think because we read so many yeah, now, could be. that like the overused tropes are really evident. Mm -hmm. And yeah. in this case, it's another one of those compromised, but only sort of really. Yeah. She's compromised in the minds of her family, because she was living with him on right. chaperoned for two days, not because of any actions they took. Right. Uh, there are some kids. I don't know if we can call it a trope, but they, there are kids in this book, and it's interesting to see how they are handled compared yes. to other books. We have a botanist here. I got so excited when I read this. I texted Meg. I was like, how did you not tell me he's a botanist? It was in my notes. I was like, it's him this time. <laughs> so Sir Philip is a botanist. And he very much hides off with his plans so he doesn't have to deal with people. Yeah, exactly. He's not very good with human emotion. He knows how to make plants grow. Yep. You know, has sensitive fingers, I guess. <laughs> so this is a trope I don't quite know how to describe, but I think I've seen it deployed a lot, not just in romance novels, mm -hmm. where a woman in particular has a skill that's usually associated with men mm -hmm. and is like exceptional at it for no real reason. Right. So in this case, Eloise is Annie Oakley. Yes. The woman picks up a gun and can hit a target and never really practiced, never yeah. really. It's, it's just this native talent. But I think it's a very tropey to have this moment, especially when you've got like a girl with brothers who's one of the boys yeah. to have this one thing where she can really yeah. excel and put them in their place. And I think we're about to review a rogue's proposal later today too. It's sort of like flip uh -huh. the horses. Yes. Like, oh my God, she's a better writer than him. Oh my god, Eloise is a better shot than yeah. the voice. I, I can't say I hate it. I really liked it. I thought it was well done here as well. Yeah, and I think the tropey part of the kids to me, just to go back a second, is that they were kind of like the precocious demon children. Mm -hmm. Like the kids I don't think are a trope in and of themselves, but the kids who like wreak havoc playing yeah. pranks on everyone, Definitely. I think is very much a trope. Yeah. So yes, we've got the country mouse, city mouse in this place. Country man, city woman. Yep. Um, He's got a dead wife. We will talk about that in detail. And last but not least, one of my favorite tropes, crossed with the message carrier en route. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh gosh, this is this happens later in the novel, um, but well done. Well done. Oh, well I done, Julia, well done. Not a trope I mind, no. but just like the number of times it happened back in the days before phones. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I personally really love this book. Mm -hmm. um, basically, these the three, so Romancing Mr. Bridgerton, To Sir Philip with Love, and When He Was Wicked are my favorite of the Bridgerton series, and they happen consecutively, sort of, uh, or actually uh, at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so I like that they're intertwined. I like that you can read them all and you get a better sense of the other books if you've read all of them. I definitely like four and five way more than one, two, three. Mm -hmm. I I like that Philip 
wants to fix his situation. So I know that I just said that this book is basically about Eloise doing all the emotional labor for Philip. I think the first step though is Philip recognizing that he has a problem mm -hmm. and he is trying to fix it even though he doesn't know how. So I like that. Uh, and I love the stupid, silly setup. I love that they've been corresponding for a year. He says, come see me. She doesn't respond. And then she's like, just takes off to go see him. I like it. I did too. I'm going to... I wanted to like this book more than I did. Sure. There's something we'll get to in offensiveness. Basically, his wife, who his dead wife, was depressed. And I hated the handling of it so much. It sort of tainted the rest of the book for me. Sure. But... I loved so much about it. I loved Philip and Eloise's interaction. I loved the setup. Yeah. I loved the pen pals. Like I said, I loved the excerpts from Eloise's writing. Mm -hmm. I love when the Bridgerton family showed up. Oh my gosh, so good. There's so much to this that was so well done. I completely understand why it's one of Meg's favorites. Yeah. Um, so I know that this is supposed to be a slow, slow growing love or a slow burn, but really when you look at it, it's like literally three weeks. Two. Two weeks before they get married. No, one before they get married. And one week is the rest of the book. She thinks in the carriage at the end. She's like, it's been two weeks. Because, like, the whole point is Eloise no, wanted but, this grand passion. Yeah. And, like, she, she sees her parents had love and her siblings have love. And she really wants that for herself. And when she and Philip are compromised, she sort of feels like the opportunity for a love match has been taken from her. And then her mother gives her, like, a warning about, not about sex, because... Mrs. Bridgerton sucks at that. Violet Bridgerton can't, she can't talk about sex. She cannot do the talk. No, but she talks to her about basically like not overwhelming him with her personality. Mm -hmm. And Eloise is like, oh, is this, this what I've been waiting for? This comfort? This like partnership? Is this love? Yeah. And it's just it's like, the, it, the, that's what this is. I'm sorry, we forgot to mention that in tropes, but the, is this love yes. trope? Yeah. And it's just hilarious to me because the whole point of this is unlike the other Bridgerton books, I feel like this wasn't supposed to be instant kismet yes, in a way. Yes. And it's hilarious because it happens in two weeks. So yeah. like it is instant kismet. It is. Get over it, Eloise. It is. Okay. Um, okay, Elaine talked about this a little bit, but uh, her family, her brothers, all just, four of them, all four of them descend on the manor uh, after two days. So she's been there for two days. In those two days, she's started to get to know Philip, but she has also basically been beaten to a pulp by his children. So she's got a black eye. Um, she looks awful. And her, all four of her brothers show up and they are beyond pissed off. First of all, because her letter to the family got lost. And so they think maybe she's been kidnapped. And second, because when they finally do show up and find her, she is, she's got a black eye. So they, all four of them storm in in the middle of dinner, mm -hmm. immediately start attacking Philip. Immediately, like he's got, I think they describe it as having two pairs of hands, like holding him up. Um, I think Colin isn't actually beating him up. No, he's like Colin's standing. lounging against the sideboard and Gregory is punching him in the face. Gregory's while punching Anthony him. Anthony and Benedict told him. Yes, there you go. So, which again, I, I, I again, one of Quinn's really great strengths is is creating these characters. So and each the family the, dynamic. Exactly. And it's so Funny. It's just so funny. So well done. I will say it's hilarious and I have no criticisms of it. However, Meg did warn me that she feels like Gregory's book ends up being weak just because Gregory's so poorly developed. And I feel like that was really evident in this yeah. scene. Like Colin, Anthony, and Benedict are all behaving in line with their character. Mm -hmm. And Gregory basically just gets written off as the impetuous little He's brother. the young one. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's true. He is, but also 
I, feel, I, I have to say I felt bad for Gregory because he's really trying to live up to his older brothers and he just can't hold a candle to them. And it, yeah. Yeah, it, it, this never changes, sadly. And so, as you guys may know, Meg is in love with Colin Bridgerton. I'm in love with Colin, so I do love... I actually really... He's just a great character, and then he's a great character in this scene as well. Because he doesn't want to get his hands dirty. And he also got married, like, last week. Like, literally a week ago, two weeks ago, and he had to storm away from London. So basically his his entire role in this scene is to look menacingly at Philip and talk about how much he misses his wife while he cracks his knuckles like he's going to bash his face in. And eats. And then he eats all the food. <laughs> because Colin is consistent. Colin likes to eat. It was and, hilarious. Yes. And then also, would you not say, so Anthony and Eloise have this really nice heart-to-heart. -heart, and I was like, oh, I was like, Anthony is so much a better brother than he is a partner or husband. I mean, you could say that Kate has made him. Possibly. Maybe that's why. But, yeah, no, it's... Anthony and Benedict suck in their own books and then are great in everyone yeah. else's. Yeah, I mean, Anthony, I really, really liked their scene, their scene together, Anthony and Eloise. But I think contrast that to his scene with Daphne mm -hmm. in similar circumstances. It's true. I mean, it's still great, but I think you can see, talk about the strength of Julia Quinn's writing, mm -hmm. the way he's matured he's talking matured, to yeah. two different sisters who have been compromised. This is true. Um, it was a great scene. I really liked Anthony. Mm -hmm. So we talked about this. She can kick their asses at shooting, all of them. And the brothers hate it. Yeah. They, they don't ever want to include her because they just know she's going to win. They're like, well, what's the point in playing with her? Yep. They're, they're playing for second at that point, and they're like, there's no. We yeah. don't like that. Uh, but, of course, Philip is completely charmed by it. And he's a crank shot himself. Yes. But he so, has to work at it. And it's all tied up in his childhood trauma. Yeah, which we'll talk Can about. we talk about, oh, trope, he's like got a fucked up childhood himself. He does. His dead mom. He's got a dead mom. He had an abusive father. And then a dead brother. Oh my god, how did we miss the stroke? Reluctant heir. Oh yes, reluctant heir. He was the second son, never wanted the responsibility. He wanted to be a botanist, never get married, live at university. Brother died at Waterloo. Yeah. Waterloo and then took he, everyone but the sisters, apparently. <laughs> right? But, sorry. Uh, but th then the other thing is, too, he married his brother's fiance. Yeah, it was a real Henry VIII situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah. That was the whole thing with Catherine. Then, yeah. I mean, Philip did not go on to kill several wives. No. Different. I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, sort of, kind of, yes. The first marriage. The first marriage. Yeah. Uh, except the fiance and the brother were never married to, right. to begin with. Okay. I personally thought the kids were pretty well written because they are supposed to be eight years old. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of books, they write the kids as being four or five and then having this amazing vocabulary and being very mature. Mm -hmm. I would say they act pretty much like they're eight years old. I thought the kids were well written, but mm -hmm. I thought they were kind of just tragedy pawns. And every time they showed up in the text, I got really sad. Sure. Which I feel like took me out of the moment. So like they have a dead mom. They have a dead mom. They've they got have an emotionally a, distant father. Right. And they have a really neglectful nursemaid. Yes. Who they don't like, and they're stuck with her all the time. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like every time they showed up, it was an excuse for Philip to flagellate. Sure. And, and like, feel guilty about himself as a human being. And, so, and the kids, I just felt so bad for them. Like, yeah. really, I found that, like I said, well-written, but depressing as hell. I mean, I cannot I, argue with that. I think they were supposed to kind of be comic relief in some ways. In some ways, yeah. And I just didn't respond that way at all. Sure. 
Okay, so I think we can just go ahead and get into uh, offensiveness. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, of course. All of the conflict in this book was literally squeezed into the last 30 pages. Yes. Like, he discovers what's really going on with the twins. She runs off to Benedict's. They have their big come to Jesus moment about how they feel about each other. Oh, all the conflict is resolved, yes. But some of it comes up, like Philip discovering what's wrong with the kids mm -hmm. and her thinking through her problem and understanding what her mother meant. Like a lot of it, it's not just the resolution. It's a lot of the like understanding and research of the problem too is really squeezed. I thought the end of the book could have been longer. I think I agree. I think the end could be longer there. So there's a whole part in the end. There's a whole chapter that basically, um, Philip is says, Oh, this is the best day of my life. Mm -hmm. And it's just a day that they went to town and went shopping. Basically. Yeah. And it was very cute, but I have to be honest, every time I read it, I'm like, okay, you know. Yeah, no, right. it, it made no sense. Like, the actual them talking through their resolution and what their marriage is going to look like and dealing with the safety and security of the twins, all of that was in like 15 pages. Sure. And I was just like, this is what needed a little more. A little heft. more. Like, cut the scene of them randomly shopping and give yeah. me more of this. But All right. Yeah, offensiveness. So let's move into it. So I would say it's handled pretty well. So it's more of a trigger warning for child abuse. So Philip was abused as a child. Like awfully. Like terribly. Um, and then his kids, because he, so Philip has been so traumatized by his past that he's really afraid that he's going to harm his children. So he's, so basically he's disconnected from yeah. them emotionally. And physically, like he has other people take care of them during the day, thinking that if it was in his hands, he'd be beating them. Right. For no reason, because he wouldn't. But so, that's why they're in a governess's care. Right. But the fact is, since he, since he is keeping himself apart from them, they are also being abused. And he doesn't know. And he doesn't know. So I, I did not hate, I don't hate the way this is handled, because I think that this is a legitimate way of dealing with, if you know that you don't want to perpetuate what happened in your past, but you don't know the right way to go about it, how do you fix it? I can understand disconnecting from the situation. Yeah. So I can see how that happened. I agree with you completely, trigger warning more than, like, Philip clearly has PTSD from his own childhood. Yeah. And you read some pretty graphic descriptions of child abuse. Okay. Um, so trigger warning. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about Philip's first wife, Marina. So Marina uh, married Philip after his brother died. So mm -hmm. Marina was engaged to Philip's brother. And she she's described as always having been disconnected. Melancholy. Melancholy. Uh, not a happy person. Mm -hmm. And then they describe, so what I think is trying to be described is postpartum depression. Because after she, she has yeah. the children, she falls into a very deep depression. She doesn't want to leave her room. She doesn't want to see the children. She doesn't want to do anything. For the next seven years. For the next, yeah, seven years. And then she uh, kills herself, or she attempts to kill herself by going into a frozen lake. And Philip saves her, but she... She saves her from drowning, but then she dies a couple of days later. Of, like, lung fever. Right. I really hated the handling of her depression. Mm -hmm. It was one of the first things I texted Meg about. I really thought it was poorly done. Um, I think it was a very simplistic view of depression, especially 
as Eloise translates it, she's like, oh, she was never happy. What kid wants to sit inside instead of go mm-hmm. out and play? Mm-hmm. And I just felt like... It was definitive. Like, on the one hand, if you wanted to interpret it favorably, you could say it was characters who completely don't understand trying to understand. Um, but I, I kind of felt like it was really irresponsible mm-hmm. as an author to make something such a major plot point without, even if it's not the character's perspective, doing a little bit more to write a fleshed out character mm-hmm. and a fleshed out circumstance. I think this societal misunderstanding of depression as people are always just sad and it's something you're predisposed to and you know you on the one hand yeah you can't blame yourself for someone else's behavior but the way that people just sort of dismiss it and disconnect from those people is a real tragedy mm-hmm. um i don't think this does anything to normalize depression no and i think where we are in society right now is very much trying to normalize it like any other physical or mental ailment. Mm-hmm. And so I I was pretty pissed off yeah. reading a lot of those sections. Yeah. Uh, for me, it doesn't, doesn't, didn't and doesn't, because I, I like this book, bother me as much as it bothered Lane. Uh, for me, I think I can see it as being described through Philip's lens, through Eloise's lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I certainly agree. It would have been nice to have a little bit more humanity yeah. given to Mar- Mar- Marina. She right now she's just a cipher. She's an unknown person. She doesn't have any dialogue. She doesn't talk. She doesn't. She does nothing except yeah. throw herself in the um, lake. Yeah, uh, that's her only action in the in the entire book. Uh, she's never. When Philip thinks back on her and talks about her, he doesn't talk about things that she did, things that she liked. I mean, at the very end, Eloise and Philip have a conversation, and this is not a spoiler in the context of the rest of this, that just mentioned that she's never laughed. That neither of them have heard her laugh, yeah. And I just, I think that idea that depressed people are depressed literally all the time, that they're impossible to connect with, that there are never good days. Like, that's just not the case either, uh, as we know. Like, Philip was married to her for, like, ten years. Mm -hmm. Eloise knew her her whole childhood you're telling me that there was never a day never a day that she or that made she a joke to fake yeah. it like, exactly i just don't buy it yeah uh but i it obviously does not bother me as much as it bothers lane but I don't, it's gonna I was, be up to you when I you still read it liked the book yeah like it was just i this would have been as good as romancing mr bridgerton for mm-hmm. me if not for yeah. this plot point and yeah. so that's kind of it was distracting that's, and i think honestly that's where my dislike of the kids came in too i found marina's story so tragic and yeah. one-dimensional that i couldn't find the kids Connect to be a kids. laugh yeah. Yeah. yeah it's fair uh and then finally there is a part so philip philip did not basically after his kids were born philip did not have sex with his wife except for one time and he describes the sexual encounter uh it was after the doctor had cleared her yeah 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 yeah. Like, preface this <laughs> yeah no there's no it's not a violent rape or anything but it's it's not consensual so this is a case we've talked about this where no means yo so if she had said no he would have left immediately mm-hmm. but it's not a yes means yes she does not say yes she sort of doesn't even 
recognize that he's there. Like yeah. she does. She sees him. But she she doesn't bar him from her room, but she just basically tries to ignore what is happening. She l- tries to lay there and think of England. Right. <laughs> uh, and he so Philip recognizes it's an issue. It feels gross. Uh, do I wish that he had stopped the encounter and left? Yes, I do. He did not stop the encounter. Um, he finishes his business, uh, and he never visits her again, but it, it just, you know, I, I don't think it was terrible. I don't think it was great either. I agree with you. Like, I would have preferred that during the making out, she was unresponsive and he left it at that. Yeah. Uh, but... I don't know. It didn't. This part didn't bother me yeah, as much as it could have. Exactly. So sexiness. This for a Quinn is pretty sexy. Is pretty sexy, right? I liked their makeup in the greenhouse. Now look, we have read My American Duchess, so we know that you can get it on in the greenhouse. They didn't go all the way, but they had a nice, nice little makeup. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's. I don't know. I know it's silly. Maybe it's not silly. I like it when they're their interests, you know, their life interests also take part in their sexual interests. You know, he's like, yes, I love the, I love the greenhouse. I love being here. I want to show you around my private, you know. So let's describe Philip a little. Okay. He has been celibate since that very awkward encounter with his wife, uh-huh. which is also, I think, where he gets brownie points from Meg and I. Yeah. Like you recognize it, but you also don't want to be unfaithful. So even though she's unwilling, you just sit there and like torment yourself. Yeah. And then even when she dies and he's a free man, he's like, Nah. Yeah. So he's he's like, look, I don't want to start anything. Everyone knows me in the village. This would just be uncomfortable and awkward. So when Eloise gets there and what he's expecting is a dowdy matron who will take over the running of his household and mm-hmm. his children. And he gets 28 year old, sexy as hell, Eloise Bridgerton. Uh-huh. The man is just like jaw on the floor the whole time. He's he was like, there. I hit the jackpot. How is she not married? Yeah. And so when they're in the greenhouse, like He's been consumed with lust, like, the Mm -hmm. whole time they're around. And she's just, like, trying to feel him out. Yeah. Trying to get the sense of the situation. Yeah. Um, And he just kind of in the greenhouse is like, can I kiss you? Yeah. And he asks twice. Look, I, you, there is nothing wrong ever with asking, (laughs) and it, like, love it. And Eloise is, like, kind of shocked into silence for the first time ever. (laughs) Right. And is just like, yeah. And then it is. Very good. It's a, it's a real sexy makeout. And, the, you know, I just really like it, too, when... I, I do like it when you read these novels. And they... A lot of times it can... De- I don't want to say devolve, but they move very quickly physically. And here it didn't. It was like, you know... I mean, it the makeouts got hot and heavy pretty yeah. fast, especially given Eloise's innocence. Right. But... She's 28 years old, like, you know? And they both are so into each other. I want to just give two compliments now. One... I don't think he thinks about her virginity no. at all in the whole book, and neither does she. Uh-huh. I'm just like mad props for yeah. not making that a conflict great. or an agony. Oh my god, it was perfect. Two, I think this is the first Bridgerton with no making a baby or having a family thoughts at all. Yeah. And it was just really refreshing, especially in the context of this series. Yeah. So like, I think that also upped the sexiness factor for me. Yes. Is that those two pet peeves, which have been very prevalent yeah. in the series so far, uh-huh. gone. So it yeah. made everything that much hotter. Yeah. Then there's this, there's this really hot encounter. So they don't have sex until they're married. No, no, which <laughs> high school me would have loved. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't, I did not dislike it here. I mean, 
they're forced to marry so quickly. I mean, they then, marry in a week. They're not waiting so. yeah, for yeah. marriage. Like, it is, but they so, didn't have the time. But so they also the, the only physical encounter they'd had prior to being forced to marry each other was like two makeouts. Yes. So this scene in my cottage. Yeah, when we say my cottage, you may remember this is where Benedict lives. Yeah, it's called My Cottage. Whatever. So capitalized. So they're at My Cottage. So basically what happens is Eloise was staying with Philip. All of her brothers descend. They carry her away to My Cottage, which is about an hour away. And they say Philip can visit her there. So he's there visiting. And they go into... She's having, like, a panic attack. Yeah. Basically, like, okay, we have to get married and we don't even know if this is going to work or if we'll suit or if... And Philip is like, okay. He's like, I'll take care of this. And they, I mean, it's just this very hot and heavy makeout. And fingering. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but that's what happens. And... These are the details the people are here for. It, yeah. It's super hot. And um, when it's done, she's like, whoa, what was that? And he was like, we'll suit. And then he... Then he goes in the, the bathroom. bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, I didn't know, whatever. And then... <laughs> anyway, it's, it's really good. It's really good. It's very special, especially for Julia Quinn. And I think especially because of what you get from Philip's characterization mm-hmm. where he has been painfully celibate and like as much as he was willing to marry anyone who would be a parent to his children mm-hmm. the fact that he's like overwhelmed with lust for her he's just like I cannot have her doubting this because yeah. my last marriage was a fucking nightmare yeah and I'm so hot for her yeah and she will talk herself into a panic attack if I don't convince her otherwise yeah. and also distract her. And, like, there is something about the illicit. They, like, lock themselves in a study. It's, it's, it's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mm-hmm. way more than I expect from Quinn. Uh-huh. It's good. Uh, okay. And then, oh, here's the thing. So their their first, they get married the wedding night. So on the wedding night, he disrobes. It's her first time seeing him naked. And he's has these terrible, terrible scars from his abusive childhood. This could be a break you know make it or break it this could have broken the sex scene for me because well, if you're gonna get into like past trauma and, and scars, it was gonna devolve and have to like tell her all about mm-hmm. it which i think would be the trope right mm-hmm. it could have really been a it would have could have ruined the sex scene and it doesn't they deal with it it's done and then they have hot sex and shocking it's also not fetishized at all mm-hmm. and i don't mean like i know i'm turned on by whipping scars so like <laughs> Whatever. But, like, I think in a lot of other scenes, either he would have described the trauma or she, she would, have would have said, Can I touch you? Yeah, and traced the scars with her finger and thought about, like, no, it's none. literally, it's none uh-huh. of it. And I was actually relieved. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. I, I liked it a lot. And then, um, yeah. yeah. It's, so it's pretty, this, in other words, this is a pretty sexy book, especially for Julia Quinn. And then, especially just because Philip is the person that he is, I think yeah. we liked, we liked it. And he's not as perfect I no. think as some other characters and there's one other thing we forgot to do um, gentlemen Jackson's get punked workouts oh yeah workout plan for the constant oh, gardener that's right yes so for gentleman Jackson's plan for Sir Philip it's it's out working with the laborers and Eloise is basically like yeah they're hot yeah which is hilarious basically she was like oh she was like you have muscles do you ever are you ever out toiling under the hot sun with, with the, your the dirt with your hands and he's like Eloise, do they turn you on? And she's like, they're just very elemental. <laughs> and he's like, yes, I do. Yes, I do labor. So he is roll ripped. Yep. And it is 
very nice. Yeah, not gonna, not gonna have any problems with that one. Yeah, so, you know, Gentleman Jackson. <laughs> so, so that was To Sir Philip With Love, number five in the Bridgerton series. Uh, we're, like I said, in Bridgerton sweet spot right now. So, yeah, recommended. Yeah, read it, enjoy it, be aware of the depression thing, but other than that, I think it's a pretty good book. Yeah, I agree. Thanks for listening.